Episode 13, Brian Bogert, professional speaker and performance coach. So what's funny is I've actually never told this story in a format like this, but I loved the theme of your show because it definitely was something reflecting back that I grew significantly from. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And now on with the show. We are joined today by Brian Bogert. He is the president and owner of the Brian Bogert Companies, LLC. He's a professional speaker. He's a peak performance coach to executives, entrepreneurs, athletes, and others who are looking to unlock what's inside. So you can find him at brianbogert.com. More importantly, uh, you can find him right here on the podcast. So Brian, thank you. Thank you for being here today. How are you? It's a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you and your audience. I'm doing great today. And I'm not going to edit this out because I'm not that vain. I, I stumbled a little bit, a little minor mistake in the course of um, introducing you. But, you know, one of our themes here is meaningful mistakes in our career and, and most importantly, mistakes that we learn from. So, Brian, I mean, how would you describe your favorite mistake? Yeah, so what's funny is I've actually never told this story in a format like this, but I loved the theme of your show because it definitely was something reflecting back that I grew significantly from. It was probably, I was 24, 25, a few years into sales, trying to build this last business that we were in, which fortunately we had a, a lot of success in. And one of my business partners and I really were like, how do we differentiate ourselves? How do we separate? And how do we get people's attention? And so we put a lot of time and energy into creating very customized gifts for our good audience to really just be able to make an impression. And, you know, obviously it was intended to try to drive a meeting and a conversation. And so we did 20 gifts that were highly customized. And it was one of those things where these were career type organizations that we were chasing. And it was phenomenal because we ended up getting 14 conversations out of the first 20. So all that sounds great, but all of a sudden my, my mind went to, okay, great. So relationships can be transactions big flawed mistake in the thought process there and completely changed the level of intentionality and personalization in the gifting approach. And we tried another 20 for lack of a better term with trinkets, right? We, we had some branded stuff to us. It was, we, we sent them something. It was nothing. We didn't do any research on the people. We didn't have any idea what they liked. We just sent them stuff mm -hmm. expecting the same results where gifts equal meetings. That's not the truth right? It's very much about relationships and anything we're doing in selling. So we went through and this next batch of 20, not a surprise. We didn't get a whole lot of traction, but I picked up the phone because we called all of them afterwards and got a hold of one of the CFOs that we were chasing. And he immediately picked up the phone and I told him who I was. And he said, Brian Bogert. Yeah. And he started rattling off all this stuff from my LinkedIn profile. And I said, okay, so you've clearly done your research. I said, I was, I was calling to just touch base. I know I sent you a gift and it turned dramatically at that point. He immediately was like, that was like the cheesiest, 
worst gift I've ever gotten. It was one of the worst ways to get my attention. It came across, it cheapened you, it cheapened your brand. He said, if you want to get to C-suite executives, you know, you need to find a connection, a relationship, a way to really connect with them. This just made sure I'm not going to do business with you. Literally, that was what he said on the phone. And he said, I got to go. And he hung up. And so I turned into that moment. And because I'm, I'm really big on this concept of embracing pain to avoid suffering. Well, I needed to know, like, what was it? Why? How, you know, he just basically attacked me and I needed to understand it. So I turned into it and I shot him an email and immediately threw myself on the sword and said, look, I apologize. This was not intended to offend you. It was not intended to, you know, cheapen our brand. It was an attempt to try to stand out. The fact that you looked me up on LinkedIn and knew who I was when I called showed that, but clearly I didn't think through the ramifications of how do I build a relationship? Mm -hmm. And it went into a really productive back and forth, which was cool because it was a learning moment. Give you that time. Yeah. And he ultimately said to me, look, you find someone that I know that I trust that will vouch for you and I'll meet with you. Guess what? Three years went by. I could not find that person. Right. And then all of a sudden I discovered we had the same accountant. Oh, okay. I don't know who else can trust better than that than the person who's handling your taxes and your finances. And so I reached out to her and I said, Hey, here's what happened. Here's the background. He said, if I could reach out to somebody and they'd worked in one of the big four accounting firms together 20 years prior. Mm -hmm. So she said, of course I'll do it. So she sends an introduction and he ultimately said, no, I'm not going to meet with you. So I picked up the phone and I called him Mm -hmm. and I said, look, I have this email from you three years ago (laughs) where you gave me a lesson. You told me how much I screwed up and you told me what to do to get your attention. I did it. So I'm calling your bluff. Let's have lunch. Mm -hmm. And we did. We ended up having lunch. Now, the funny part about this whole story, we never wrote the deal, but he has become a solid relationship. He's a friend. He -hmm. is somebody that sends cards and communicates and is always offering support. The only reason we didn't do business together, it wasn't the right fit, but we ended up establishing and building the relationship. And so one of what's the lesson that I learned? Relationships are not transactions. Mm -hmm. And as is in the case with everything in life, we've got to be aware and intentional with how we approach people. And if we focus on them first, we focus on being detached from the outcome and we focus on making sure that we leave an impact, then we're building relationships and whatever's meant to be out of that will be. Yeah. Wow. So I'm curious, just going back a little bit of the detail of the story what was an example of you, you? You talked about the first round of twenty gifts. What what yep. what what was it? How was it customized? You talked about. Yep. So what we did for the first round of twenty is we ended up going to, and I don't even know if they still exist. I, it's been years, but it was an old store. I think it was called Things Remembered, and they did specialized engraving. They would do customized gifts, and we ended up. It wasn't anything mind blowing, but it was a. I think it was about a hundred dollar clock that had some customization and a pen on it and it had the ability to put a plaque on it. Mm -hmm. And what we did on that first round is we did nothing connected to our company, right? Like most marketing efforts, it's like, let's put our logo on it so they know who sent it. And our partner and I were smart enough in that moment that we were like, look, let's make this specific to the person. So we did their name and their title. We didn't even put the company on it because, right, a lot of the people we were chasing were CFOs. They're likely going to be a CFO no matter where they go, but are they going to likely retire at this organization? Just statistically, probably not. So we wanted it to be something that would make an impression on the person. 14 people 
we got meetings with. And of those 14, 10 of them called us after the gift, which was really impactful because they said, look, this is one of the most specialized custom gifts that we got. You'd think, right, if I was smart at that time, double down on the same strategy because it worked. (laughs) I'm not calling you not smart, but why? So I was going to ask, why did you change the approach then on that second round? I think it was probably just a test of human behavior. Like what is the minimum we can give, right? And still get a response. And the reality of it is, again, that's because I was viewing a relationship as a transaction. That's the major mistake. That was the flawed approach. I don't view anything at this moment around what's the minimum I can give, right? It's completely flip-flop. So this was a gifting strategy. The belief now is give as much as possible, give until it hurts, because that's what makes impacts. So, I mean, I I really appreciate you sharing that that reflection and... um, you know, how, how, how you learn from that. So there's a fine line between, right. Uh, uh, um, there's different ways of framing it. There, there's a mistake versus there's a test that didn't work out the way. Correct. I mean, I think of, you know, my own line of work and consulting and coaching. I've had mentors um, who, who talk about, you know, doing a small test of change, at least to mitigate or yep. minimize. Yep. If you send out one trinket, and again, I mean, I don't mean to be second guessing you, but just building off your story. Yeah. Like, you know, sending out one trinket as a test, there's, there's less risk, but it's also just one data point. So it's Correct. harder to evaluate yep. that test or that experiment, right? Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think that was sort of how it was viewed. But I think the fundamental, it, it was not so much the tactical piece of what we did that I think was the mistake. It was the devaluing relationships Mm -hmm. and viewing them as transactional versus relationships that are dynamic and build and grow. And so the tactical application of it is what helped me, helped me realize that it was the approach that we took that was just viewing it like, Oh, of course, trinkets are going to do the same results because why not? Right. Um, So I think we got a lot of good data points and we learned from it. But again, I think the fundamental piece is not that we sent trinkets. It's that we almost devalued the value of relationships and that's never something I'll do again. Yeah. And, and those trinkets, as you call them, that did have your logo on it. Yeah, this time? yeah, yeah. It was it was polar opposite from what we started with, right? Um, and and I think it was just a test, but it it was one of those things where it's just I I learned in that moment I will never give a gift like that again. And anything that I can do to make sure my logos, my names, my everything is as far removed from those gifts, the better, because it's really about the end person. It's about the person you're giving the gift to. Well, and, and so I'm going to share an example. And for those who are watching on YouTube, I'm going to hold up and I've already thanked Brian, but I'll thank him again here in the episode. Um, I'm holding up this this wooden box that uh, that Brian sent me, and it's got uh, the logo for my favorite mistake on here. And, you know, this this, this box, uh, you know, to your point, you know, was customized uh, for me. And it was it was full of some delicious cookies from a, a company in, uh, in Tempe, Arizona. But um Right, yeah, almost dropped the box. There's another mistake, uh, <laughs> near mistake. But um, as much as uh, I appreciated the cookies, the box I'll tell you is something that I'm going to hang on to. I'll I'll find figure out what to store in there. I'll put it on display. Uh, the box is uh, you know 
more more meaningful and appreciated than than the cookies. And well, thank you. Yeah, and I, I think you know that's an evolution of years of like just looking at ways to build relationships. I, you know, I and what's interesting is I didn't send that to you before I was booked on your show. I sent it to you after I was booked on your show because it really was a grateful gesture to say, "Hey, I'm I'm happy to be with you. Looking forward to it." Versus the alternative, which in some cases you can send that, get somebody's attention, and and drive towards an outcome. In this case, it was literally just, how do I show Mark appreciation for the opportunity to be with him and his audience? Um, and that's that's something that's been beneficial. So yeah, that's a cool organization. In fact, the guy that uh, that produces those and owns, that, owns the company, uh, which is Noms, uh, he's a client and a good friend as well. So we've looked at ways to really customize and elevate this idea of strategic gifting um, for impact, right? Yeah. So thank you for showing that. I, yeah. Like I told you when we first started, I didn't think about my mistake and how it would be connected to gifting. And then I was like, Oh yeah, there's Mark. <laughs> um, so, you know, you talk about the coaching that you do with people. Um, I'm curious, you know, in, in, in your working relationship with people, does the, the, the topic or the theme of mistakes come up? Like how often do people do clients of yours want to talk about a mistake or I'm, I'm, I'm you know, without looking necessarily for specific examples, but yeah, I, I would what, tell what you, else have you learned about mistakes. I think we learn the most from our mistakes. If we're intentional to pause and extract the lessons from those mistakes and then become intentional to make sure that we don't repeat those patterns. Um, mistakes are something, frankly, that come up all of the time in my coaching, right? With the high performers, I think we learn our greatest lessons typically from our failures, from our mistakes, from our missteps, and particularly when we aren't smart enough sometimes to realize that we've made the mistake and we repeat it multiple times, right? right? Then we start to see the ripple effect of that mistake. Um, you know, I, I was working with a client not that long ago who was working on some joint venture deals with one of his business partners. And he literally looked at it like he had the inside coach. He had the person that needed to, to drive the actual process to drive towards the sale that they wanted to generate but he handed it off to his buddy, his business partner, and he stepped out. He had the relationship, he had the contacts, he had the internal coach, and he can. And so what happened? Nine months went by and the deal stalled out. And part of that was because of COVID, but most of that was because the aged person who had the relationship all of a sudden wasn't part of the picture. This was an aha moment for him. He looked at it like, well, this isn't my area of expertise. This isn't my specialty. But what his specialty is, people building relationships, navigating, and making sure that he can uncover problems to then create solutions for. Well, he didn't, he wasn't active. So that was a big mistake. Well, he re-engaged and they're now back on us to build this partnership with this other organization, right? So we actually unpacked that. We looked at what are the lessons? What were the missteps over the course of the nine months? Where are ways that we can rectify and correct that path? And so, you know, you said don't get any specific examples, another one where it's just, look, it was a major mistake. And it's, by the way, a career deal if they get this done. So if it's that important, how are you not intentional and actively engaged throughout the whole process? Yeah. And I was thinking here, it was probably a mistake on my part to say, oh, you don't have to use specific examples. In fact, it should have been the opposite because the example <laughs> that you gave was illustrative. Probably what I should have said, and you probably wouldn't have done this anyways. Oh, you, know, you don't have to name names. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i think it's interesting like in that situation the the maturity that that was shown of, you know, on their part of reflecting on the mistake if they you know they, they had assigned this deal to somebody else and it would be real easy to just say oh well that that guy blew the deal yep and blame them as opposed to looking back at That's the right. process of well as you described 
having stepped away from the deal mm-hmm. and, and reflecting on that instead of just um, pointing fingers. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, could they have closed it sometime in that first nine months? Very likely. Um, and he's reflecting back on it that it's probably a 50 50 shot whether they'll get it at this point because of the time momentum lost. And fortunately for him, he's one of those guys that's very self aware and very intentional. And he took a step back and removed his ego and said, Look, I can learn a lot from this and I will never hand a deal off where I have the relationship again, like completely hands off. Cause he said, there's too much at stake when I can influence the process. Yeah. And again, our, our guest is Brian Bogert. He's a speaker and he's a coach. And, you know, I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit, Brian, on uh, what, what you mean by being intentional or how you help clients or people that you're coaching yep. discover that and, and to be more intentional and what that leads to. Yep. So I'm, I'm actually going to share a quick little story about my background because it gives a lot of context that'll help frame this. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to give the very expedited version for the purpose of today. Um, but when I was a little kid, I was run over by a truck and my left arm was completely severed from my body. Mm. It was reattached, 25 surgeries. And I know that many of you probably weren't expecting me to take it there. And yes, I have a unique story, but I also learned a long time ago, right? We've talked about, we've got to pause and extract the lessons from those stories and then become intentional with how we apply them. Two primary lessons came out of this, which both lead towards awareness and intentionality. The first is I learned not to get stuck by what had happened to me, but get moved by what I could do with it. And the second, I didn't realize until far later in life, and it was really about understanding and witnessing the amount of sacrifice my parents made in their own comfort to strengthen me, which is this concept of embracing pain to avoid suffering. And what that really is getting at is how do we become intentional with the pains that we embrace on a daily basis in the things that we need to do to be able to overcome and grow? And so everything in my coaching starts with awareness. If we're not aware of something, we can't be intentional with it, right? We know there's 11 million bits of information that our minds process every second, but we're only consciously aware of about 40. So unless we can move the unconscious to the conscious, we're going to feel like life happens to us and it's fate. But if we can move those things into the aware place, we can then become intentional with them. And then we all of a sudden feel like we've got some element of control or ability to influence the future. And so this idea of embracing pain to avoid suffering is one of the basic premises around really looking at acknowledging the suffering that we wish to avoid, which is getting super clear on what we want in our lives, our purpose, our impact, our legacy, who do we need to be to fulfill those, and even breaking that down into daily disciplines. Then we've got to really be able to identify the pains that we tend to avoid and learn to embrace them. That's where intentionality comes in. And so this concept of embrace pain to avoid suffering, I'll give you three examples just that we can all identify with. We can embrace the pain of hitting the gym for 30 minutes a day to avoid the suffering of the aches and pains of a sedentary lifestyle. We can embrace the pain of a difficult conversation with a coworker to avoid the suffering of a relationship beyond repair. We can embrace the pain of firing our top salesperson because they're the biggest cancer in the culture of our, of our, of our company right? And so we've got to walk away from the top line revenue to avoid the suffering of stagnated growth because all of our other folks are leaving. So when we think about this concept, it's really about understanding that. But when I say identify the pains we tend to avoid and learn to embrace them, I'll use a gym example. Is it the actual working out, the training that we tend to avoid, or is it the anxiety of the crowded gym, 
right? We have to identify those things that are keeping us in that self-defending pattern, self-defeating pattern, and then become intentional to correct them. And so if it's not the gym, find another way to fulfill that in your life. It's the same thing in business and relationships and sales. It doesn't matter. And then the last is we've got to establish as a habit. What we are unaware of, we cannot be intentional with. If we are not intentional, life happens to us. And so everything I do with my clients is helping unpack those concepts and giving them an intrinsic journey to get really clear on what's important and identifying the things they need to bring into their life on a daily basis. And I think those are really clear. Those are really helpful examples. Um, one, one thought that comes to mind is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it seems like um, maybe part of being intentional involves being more specific. If there's like generalized anxiety or fear or saying somebody saying I'm upset is different than understanding what's driving a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So exactly what you said. I mean, you could be in a scenario where you get, you have an emotional trigger bubble up. You could give me a look, right. And all of a sudden I'm reacting and I don't know, understand necessarily why I have a decision in that moment. I can move through it. Maybe we need to do that for the purposes of this and come back to it later. Or I can pause for just a second and reflect on what that is. Is that emotional trigger that I'm responding to connected to the look Mark gave me? Or does it remind me of a look my grandpa gave me when I was three? Right. Wasn't anything I was intentionally doing. And I might wonder why is Brian, why is, why is Brian suddenly, you know, he's not doing this now, but that's exactly right. So if I'm not specific, like crossed his arms and he's upset and why, why, that's exactly why? right. Yeah. That's exactly right. But if you're not specific in really looking at what is the root of that reaction, then you could just chalk it up to like, Oh, well, Mark, I can't believe he was a jerk and said that to me that way. Or he gave me that look, right. It would have had nothing to do with you. But if we aren't aware of something, we can't be intentional with it. And intentionality is specificity. So I'm happy that you gave that clarification. You're spot on. Yeah. And, and one other thing um, that comes to mind when you talked about um, pausing before reacting, you know, I think back to um, the late Stephen Covey as one thing that he would talk about is putting up a, a separation between stimulus and response that as yeah. humans as adults, um, that, that we can choose to separate, um, stimulus and response and not, and, and that's something, look, personally, I've tried to work on because I've made mistakes where I get, I get ramped up and I'm reacting instead of pausing. Um, so yeah. that, that's part of, we all I'm have the tendency to do that. And I think pausing in any moment, even if it's for two seconds, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to calibrate for one second, cause we process very quickly most of the time. But even if it's just for two seconds or five seconds, it's not going to be noticeable or detrimental to the conversation, mm-hmm. but it might be meaningful in the way that you respond. Yeah. Well, so again, we've been joined today by Brian Bogert. You can find him on his website, brianbogert.com. And, and Brian, where else can people find you? What's your preferred social media or where, where can people find you online? All my social media is connected to my website. So I'm on all of them. Um, I tend to be on LinkedIn probably the most, but I, I'm all over the place. My YouTube channel is connected to there. Uh, and then I will also just throw out an offer for folks because a lot of people say, great, this is an awesome idea, concept. How do we become intentional and how do we become aware? We've created a free resource to be able to help people close the gap, get clear on what's important. And it brings in a lot of our coaching philosophies from our one-to-one coaching, group coaching, self-led. So anybody that would like to go visit that, it's nolimitsprelude.com. And there's a free download there to give you some little jumpstart and a roadmap for where to go with this. Okay. And I'll make sure that there is a link uh, to that in the show notes. I encourage people um, to check that out. No limits prelude 
Um, so again, uh, we've been joined by Brian Bogert. He's a professional speaker, a peak performance coach, and um, really appreciate you being uh, being here on the podcast and, and sharing your stories and, and reflections. And really, well, thank you for the opportunity, and thank you for the format of this because I think so many people can learn and tap into the collective wisdom of other people's mistakes. So you doing this is helping make everybody better. So thank you, Mark. All right, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to pause and think about your own favorite mistake and how learning from mistakes shapes you personally and professionally. If you're a leader, what can you do to create a culture where it's safe for colleagues to talk openly about mistakes in the spirit of learning? Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. See you next time.